We have a lot to be thankful for, do we not? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to get into God's Word now, and uh, we're getting into a section of Ecclesiastes that I've been looking forward to since we began the book. And uh, after I read it, you might ask the question, well, why would you be looking forward to that? It's going to sound a little bit, uh, a little bit morbid. It's going to sound maybe a little, uh, um, I don't know, maybe morbid's the best word that I have for it. Uh, but once we get into it, I think it is, uh, it is going to come clear to you because Solomon now is, he's not only at the end of the letter, we're, we're talking about the end of life. And he's describing the human experience uh, near the end of life, in the elderly years, when life is at its, uh, at its final ebb. Now, we don't like to think about these days very much, especially when we're younger. We assume they're never going to come. We see old people and we think, we'll never be like that. But guess what happens to everybody? We all get old. And the old people here said? Amen, Amen to that. So, what is it like to be old? And how should that reality shape the way that we live our life before we get to that stage of life? That's where Solomon is going here. And he describes it now in very uh, poetic language, in, in uh, allegorical language. So see if you can pick up on what he's saying, and then I'll try to explain it here. So we're reading Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 8. Here is what Solomon says. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. So, poetic language here, which in Bible study language is known as allegory, okay? An allegory is something that describes one thing by uh, picturing it in another way. And this is an allegory here. In fact, one Old Testament scholar, uh, Walter Kaiser, just says that this is one of the most beautiful of all allegories in Scripture. Now, the irony is, it's a beautiful allegory talking about the terrible days at the end of life's existence. Okay? So it's not like Song of Solomon, which is celebrating marital love. This is like life at the end of life. What is that like? Beautiful language. And here, Solomon is 
using two, two allegories, the image of an approaching storm and the picture of a broken down household to describe what it's like in the final days of life, in the elderly years, what awaits us in the aging process. The key verse here is verse one, okay? Because so, this is the action step that he's calling us to. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. Okay, so he, he says that those last days he calls evil days, bad days, and the action step is that we are to remember our creator before we get to that stage of life, before we get to where this isn't working right and that isn't working right and you don't have all that you used to have. Remember your creator while you still can, while there is still time. And we'll get back to this verse at the end of the message. So what is coming for all of us? And this is such a... Uh, it's such an intriguing passage here because the language is beautiful, but the experience is terrible. Uh, and by the way, I, I need to add this, okay? Solomon is describing this in its, in its like worst possible uh, way, okay? So if you happen to be at the later stages of a typical lifespan, I don't want to call you old, but if you're old here, uh, don't take offense at what he's saying. In fact, I think probably you're going to relate to much of what he has to say here. Uh, unless we die young, all of us here are going to die at the end of a slow <clears throat> process of deterioration. Your body is already deteriorating. Now, some of you are like, no, it's not, look at me, okay? But it is, Right? From the moment of birth, we are in the process of returning to dust. I'll ask sometimes uh, some of our old, our old guys here in the, in the church, I'll say, hey, how you doing? And they'll say, not bad for an old man, you know? What do they mean by that? Well, they mean that if you're old, bad when you're old is different than bad when you're young, okay? In fact, it's probably safe to say your, your worst day when you're young is likely better than your best day when you're old, right? Because old or bad and good are very much, a, it's a moving scale as we, get, as we get older. When you are young, you have the confidence that no matter what ache or pain or issue, I'm still young. Like I got time to turn it around. This, yeah, my back hurts, but I expect in like a week I'll be fine right? When you're old and your back hurts, there is the possibility it will always be this way. It's never going to get better. It's never going to heal. The young generally only have to deal with temporary setbacks. And that can be in your career. It can be in relationships. It can be in finances or something. You know, you can, you, when you're 25, you can lose it all. But you're like, I still got time, right? I got time. I can turn this thing Around, But when you are in your elderly years, you do not have time to turn it around. You don't have the ability to go back and relive your life. Who you are, what you did, your experiences, your relationship, your family, that story has largely been told already. There are not chapters, many, many chapters ahead to turn this whole thing around. When you are old, your time is short. And you live knowing that sooner than ever, 
Your final day is coming. When I was in seminary, part of the way I paid my way through seminary is I was a night watchman at a nursing home. Now that's a good time, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> graveyard shift, 12.30 to 8.30. I worked at this kind of skilled nursing care kind of facility and kept all the bad guys who wanted to go into the nursing home away. They were very safe. So anyway, at this nursing home, they had a saying amongst the staff. They said, people only leave here feet first. People only leave here feet first. And that was the sad reality. Normally with a sheet over them, out they went into the vehicle, and off they went. Their life is now done. And yet that's true for all of us, isn't it? We all, we leave planet Earth feet first. Unless Jesus comes back before we die and all the rest, we are all going to have this experience of slow deterioration, and then it's like your final day, put a sheet over you, and you're on your way to your last hair appointment, right? It's just the way that it is, okay? The people that are laughing right now are young people. Old people increasingly are realizing life is short, right? Life is short. And so Solomon here now paints two allegory, allegorical pictures for what it is like. And the first one is the dread that you feel with an approaching storm. Okay, verse 2, he says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. You all know that sense of dread, right? We live here in Indiana. We get some pretty big storms that come through. We've had a few this summer. And you know that sense of dread where like two days before, they're like, hey, there is going to be a massive storm. It's coming up from Arkansas or Oklahoma or somewhere. You better get ready. And you, you begin to watch that radar maybe the day before, and you're seeing this big blob of red coming right at us. And before the storm hits, you walk outside, and you're like, you know, this, it just changes color outside, right? There's that black cloud. Sometimes there's big walls that's coming towards us and a sense of like foreboding. It's like batting down the hatches. This is going to be a rough one right here, right? That sense of dread. And here comes the, that first initial wind. All of a sudden the trees are like doing this number. And then here comes the rain and the thunder, lightning and all the rest. That's what that sense of dread. There is a storm coming and we can't get out of the way of it. Like it is coming at us. There is no escaping it. That's what it's like when you're, when you're old. Age and problems and death, they're coming. You can't avoid it. Here it comes. And he, he adds this little phrase here, and the clouds return after the rain. You think about a storm that we might experience. Here comes this big wall of red right at us, right? But then after it passes, oftentimes, what do you see? Sun. And a little rainbow, you look back as it's going to the west, and you see a little rainbow, it's pretty, pretty like, wow, we survived the storm, but now look at it, it's just, it's, it smells good, right? Everything sort of feels sort of fun and right after a storm has gone through. That's our experience. But you want to know what it's like when you're old? When you are old, here comes the storm of physical problems, Right? And you have this experience, and it's tough, and it's hard, and the storm goes past, and you think, okay, time for sun. No, not when you're old. 
Here comes another rainstorm. It's just clouds and gloom and rain, one after another, after another, after another. It's like you're going to the hospital every other day, another doctor's appointment, another issue. This hurts, this isn't working. Now this is broken down, then that's hard. It's just constant storms coming at you all the time. Sorrow after sorrow. No sun, just more rain. Second picture. So that was a quick one. Here's the second one, and he develops this one much more fully, and this ties into what he says in verse 1, where he says, remember your creator. And the reason that we should remember our creator is that old age is going to get us. And he describes now what that experience is like, the analogy is a household or an estate that is falling apart, that is running down, it's things are just starting to break one after another, that's what it's like when you are old. Now listen to the description here, and each of these generally tie into some aspect that is commonly seen in, in elderly people. He says now in verse 2, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, Now, what body part do we typically take care of matters around the house with? Our hands, right? And what's it like when you're old? The keepers of the house, they begin to tremble. And we all know, been around elderly people where Parkinson's or whatever it might be that's causing it, there's sort of a shaking the head, the neck, and all that. Okay? It was the same couple thousand years ago. That's what elderly people look like. They're trembling. The strong men are bent Okay, not the strong man, the strong men, plural, at least two. In a human body, what, what would be the strong men? The legs, right, that hold us up. And when you get older, sometimes, especially men, they sort of get that bow-legged thing going on, right? The legs aren't quite the way that they used to be, nimble, running around and all that. Now they're sort of bow-legged. They don't work like they used to. The strong men are bent. The grinders cease because they are few. What do you suppose that's describing? Teeth, right? Okay. You can't chew like you used to. Now, this is in the days before dentures and dentists and all the rest, so uh, old people now are way ahead of old people back then. But typically, if you start losing your teeth and you can't have them replaced and that's what you need to chew with, guess what? Time for soup and yogurt. Because you can't chew. The grinders cease because they are few. Those who look through the window are dimmed. What do you look through the window with? Your eyes. As you get older, glaucoma, whatever it might be, your eyes, they, they, don't, they don't work like they used to. You used to look out the window and you'd see things clearly, but now you can't see things. And they didn't have corrective glasses and all that back then. So, like for me, I, I, am, uh, I am nearsighted, okay? So that means that I can't see distances very well. And it actually appears to me, if I take my glasses off and I try to look at a distance, It's like I wish somebody would turn the light on, like it's dim out there. It's like I could see that, I think, if it was just well lit. No, it is well lit. There's something wrong with your eyeballs. Those that look out the window are dimmed. Remember your creator while you can still see clearly. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. Another picture of the ears now that are, they don't work quite like that. Well, what was that? Right? We hear that from elderly people. They, they, they want to hear, but they can't hear like they used to hear. The doors are shut. The grinding is still going on outside, 
but they can't hear it like they used to. Like, are they, are they working out there? You know, I can't hear anything. I'm shut off from the activities of the world around me. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. Now here is the terrible irony. You can't hear as well as you used to, but if a bird chirps at 4 a.m., you're up for the rest of the morning. How many of you can relate to this? As you get older, there is something that happens. Like I remember when I was in college, you know, we would stay up late, and I could sleep, I'd sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning, or even noon sometimes when I was in college. Now if I sleep till 6 a.m., it's like, man, I slept in today. I feel great today. It's so different, isn't it? You can't, you can't sleep like you used to. I heard one guy describe it this way. He said, you know, when I was in college, an all-nighter was when I stayed up and, you know, kind of messed around, had fun, and partied all night. He said, now an all-nighter for me is any night I, sl- I don't get up and go to the bathroom. That's like an all-nighter for me. <laughs> now, the people that are laughing are the old people right now. And you, the young people here are going, that'll never happen to me. Just wait, friends. And that's the point. Things change. When you're young, you think, this will never happen to me. I'll never be like Grandpa. And Solomon is saying, remember your Creator before everything starts breaking down. Because that day is coming. And all the daughters of song are brought low. The daughters of song. We, we sing with our with our vocal cords. What happens to people over time, their ability to just sing and their voice and all, it changes, doesn't it? Have you, have you ever heard them, like before a ball game, they'll bring in some, you know, somebody that 40 years ago was, you know, famous singer and they have them sing the national anthem. It's painful, isn't it? You ever heard Aretha Franklin recently sing the national anthem? It's terrible. And everybody claps, it's Aretha Franklin, it's fine. What has happened? Those vocal cords used to make beautiful music. Now they can't anymore. They're old. Now we could stop right there and go, but that sounds terrible. Can it get any worse? Look at verse 5. They are afraid also of what is high and the terrors in the way. He's describing here something that comes over people typically, not always, but typically as they get older is that you live in a, a, a condition of much more fear about things than you used to. Terrors in the night. Elderly people typically, they don't go out in the night. They don't want to drive at night. They don't want to be out at night. Why? Because there's something about that makes them uneasy. I'm not sure what will happen. When they were young, they were out all the time at night. But now things have changed. Things have changed. Remember your creator before fears isolate you. The almond tree blossoms. The almond tree is a tree that when it blossoms, it blossoms with white flowers. So what is this describing? That elderly person who used to have that mane of black hair, now the tree is blossoming, right? And now they have silver hair, or we call it gray hair. I think blossoms sounds nicer, don't you? Okay, Maybe compliment somebody. Sometimes they have beautiful blossoms on your head. That's... Here's a good one. The grasshopper drags itself along. Okay. You ever seen a grasshopper? 
Grasshoppers are quick. They're nimble. You try to catch them and off they go, right? They can jump. Those legs, poof, off they go. Huge ability, nimble, quick, here, there, here, there. That's a grasshopper. But not this grasshopper. This grasshopper used to be nimble. This grasshopper used to be able to jump. This grasshopper used to be able to fly. But now it's just sort of dragging itself along, okay? A picture of that man or woman that used to be the star athlete at the high school and used to uh, be the ballerina and used to be able to do things physically, but now you look at them and you don't see that nimbleness, you don't see quickness, you see a slow-moving sort of person working their way along. Remember your Creator before you can't get around very well. And desire fails. This is a translation of a word that actually means the capperberry. Okay, now I didn't know this before this week, but the capperberry was in the ancient world an aphrodisiac. Okay? And desire fails. Solomon is throughout this letter has been encouraging, enjoy your wife in the days of your life. And he has been very much promoting a kind of sensual experience of life and the enjoying of of good things and enjoying even of marital intimacy. And here he says, even that desire, sexual desire, is going to, in the end, not be there so much anymore. And I would include with that just the general enjoyment of life and the interest in things and the enjoyment of pretty things and beautiful things. Towards the end of your life, it's sort of like been there, done that, nothing interests me anymore. I mean, nothing interests me anymore. Remember your creator while life is interesting before these evil days come. He goes on to say, remember your creator before your funeral. Look at verse 5. Because man, and this whole description, before I say it, the whole description is of man or woman in decline. Yes, glory, yes, achievements, but now there has been this deterioration. The world has closed in on them. The abilities that they used to have and the strength that they used to have is no longer there, and now it comes to the actual end. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets, Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken down at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. That language there of the silver cord and the broken golden bowl and the wheel, they're all poetically describing the fragility of life. That life, like a golden bowl, at one time it had glory, it was beautiful, it had value, but it's so fragile, and in the end it ends up broken, like a, like a wheel that used to bring water up from the well. Now it's broken, and it, it doesn't work anymore. Things are broken everywhere in this picture. And if you've ever been to the home of an elderly person, or maybe you've gone to the nursing home, uh, typically, you see something like this, don't you? You see, you walk into the room, and there on the wall are pictures of this person when they were younger. There's the wedding photo. Her and her 
husband, and they're just in the prime of life. Like, she's beautiful, he's handsome. They just look like they're just ready to take on life and make the most of it. They're all excited, they're beaming, there's joy. There's a picture of her husband when, you know, right before he left for, uh, for World War II. And it's just, you know, he's, just, he's been doing push-ups for like three months. He's just, you know, he's buffed, he's primed, the perfect complexion. Looks great. And yet he died 15 years ago, and she's lived as a widow now for the last 10 in this nursing home. And you walk in, and there's a certain sense of it. There's a certain smell of it. There's a certain, like, here's what life used to be, but here's a picture of what life is like now. And the silver cord is snapped, and the golden bowl is broken. And the glory of what was has now deteriorated into something much less than that. And Solomon is urging us to remember our Creator before all of that becomes the reality that is most certainly coming for all of us, the time of brokenings and the time of shatteredness. And we might look at that and say, why does it have to be that way? And the reason it has to be this way goes all the way back to Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, God made a judgment upon mankind, and he said this, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What does it look like for a body to return to dust? It looks like a human body that is in deterioration. It is in the process of returning to what it came from. And even that body in the grave is fulfilling Genesis 3.19. The body goes in the grave, the spirit returns to God, and that whole life, the story of that life is done. And his conclusion looking at where man's glory ends up is his oft-repeated phrase, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. How did he begin Ecclesiastes? Those same words, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. He goes through all of his process of pursuing pleasure and building and becoming famous and searching for meaning apart from God and all the things that Solomon did and accomplished his wealth and his women and all the rest. And he looks forward into what is coming to him and he sees himself in the grave and he says over all of that, not just himself, but all of our lives, that from that perspective, it's all meaningless. It's all frail and feeble, and in the end, we're gone. And then what do you say about all the glories of our life when all we are in the end is a pile of dust? What Solomon says is, remember your creator before you get there. Remember your creator before these evil days come. Don't forget that Ecclesiastes is trying to explain man's search for meaning apart from God. And even this description is a very, like, no Jesus, no resurrection, no, no future. It's just, it's, it's the existential man's 
view of what comes someday, that in the end, all we are is dust in the wind, to quote a song from a few years ago, okay? We're just dust in the wind. What does it matter? We all die in the end. That's his perspective. And of course, forgetting God is what mankind has largely done. They have forgotten God. They have forgotten who we have forgotten who we are made in the image of God. We're like Jason Bourne. Like we, we, we know there's, there's something in the, there, but we don't know what it is. And so we search for answers, but we never put it all together. And then we look in the mirror. I can tell you, see this? I have a wrinkle right here on my forehead. I don't know if you can see it. I'm not sure if I got it on the right spot. I can tell you the moment I saw that wrinkle for the very first time. I was in an airport in California. I was getting ready to fly home. I was washing my hands like this. I was going to walk out. I stopped, and I looked, and I was in the mirror. I was like, where did that come from? Maybe you have something like that in your own body. Some indication where all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting old. The ache, the pain, the thing that doesn't work anymore indicating something that Solomon is highlighting here. What is coming? Everything goes to the grave. Back to verse 1. Okay, Solomon, thank you very much for that encouraging word. But what am I to do about this? And he urges us to remember our creator before all of that becomes the reality in our life. And don't look at this and say, oh, it's just for those teenagers. You go get those teenagers now. They need to really be thinking about God at this stage of their life. Yes, young people, now is the time to settle the matter who you are living for. Absolutely. But this is not just for the teenager. This is for anybody whose body is still working right and still has a mind. You still can get around and you're not a grasshopper dragging yourself along and you still got chapters left in your story. Now is the time to remember your creator because that is most certainly coming. You're, you're just, you're about to become dust. And then all my pursuits and the things that I'm living for think that are really important. What does it matter? Because I'm dust in the end. What matters is this. Okay? This. Remember your creator. How? Why? What does that mean, Solomon? The first thing, friends, it means is this. We remember our creator by knowing him as our creator and our heavenly father. Remember, Solomon writes this centuries before Jesus comes. If, if he wrote it after Jesus, he would say what I'm saying right now. Yes, remember your creator, but there is a way that your creator can become your heavenly father. In other words, there's a way for your creator to, to enter into relationship with him. And this has everything to do with why Jesus came. Jesus came into this world as the Son of God, incarnated, born of the Virgin Mary, a miracle birth from the beginning, and he lived an entirely miraculous life, never sinning, fulfilling the law, obeying everything that God required of mankind. And the Bible tells us that he willingly went to a cross, he was crucified, died on this cross, not a death like all the rest of us die, like Solomon has described, but rather a willing death, dying in the place of sinners, 
paying the penalty that our sins deserved, the sins that caused our death in the first place. For the wages of sin is a slowly deteriorating death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Christ came into this world because we're in this process, because we're dying, because without hope, without God, we, we not only die, we go to hell. Worse than death is eternal hell dust. But Jesus came into this world in order to save us from that. And his cross is what accomplished that. And then resurrected on the third day, conquering death itself. And the Bible says that when we believe in Jesus, turning from our sins and repenting and coming to faith in Christ, that our creator now becomes our heavenly father. And we enter into a relationship with God that is in this life and in the life to come. Here's Jesus' own words, John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's what I'm talking about here. And this is the necessary first step, because otherwise you are, you, are, you are bound by the absurdity and the despair of what Solomon has described here. Because there is no hope. We all die, then, then who cares? But because Jesus came now, we have a relationship with God that is in this life and in the life to come, which Jesus called eternal life. What, what do people that are in the process of deteriorating and becoming dust need life eternal? And so really the question is, and if you're tracking with me, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I am going to end up in the nursing home. I am going to be that old frail lady or man. That is what is coming. Do you know God as your heavenly Father? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you surrendered your, your life in a kind of trust and a belief that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world? Because if you have done that, everything that is described here is merely temporary. And that is why our senior saints, we have some in the service right now, that is why they are to the rest of us a picture of hope in Jesus. Because they are the grasshopper, and they are the eyes dimming, and the doors closing, and the grinders ceasing. They are in that right now, and yet they have hope that this is not the end for them. Okay? And that same hope can be yours through faith in Jesus Christ. And I would urge you to put your trust and your faith in him. A second application is that what Solomon is saying here is something that we need every single day, okay? Every single day. We need to remember our Creator. How do we do that? Well, it gets at what it even means to remember. Like, is this, is this like having a memory of God? You know, like, I remember fifth grade? No. That's not what he's talking about here. It's not like you've got it, I've got it on, my, on, my, on the disk drive of my brain somewhere. Yes, there is a creator. That's not what he's talking about. What he is describing here is the active bringing to mind and living in light of God every single day. Remember your creator. Live in light of the reality of God every single day. Bring his Person, bring his glory, bring his purpose in my life 
into my heart and mind and live in light of that every single day. And we do that through habits that help us remember. Each of us wakes up every day forgetful. Okay, we wake up and we are instinctively selfish. We wake up and we are, the gravity of pride pulls us away from thinking about God. We think about me, okay? And then we walk to the bathroom and our knee hurts or our back hurts or we see a wrinkle in the mirror. And those ought to remind us of something, okay? They ought to remind us that I need to live today in light of God because this is going to get worse, right? Remember your creator. What do I need to do? I need to remember who I am and who he is. I need to remember that there is a God. And it's in, in, in the text, it's in the plural. So it's speaking of the majesty of God. I, I need to consider and think about this one day lived in light of the glory of God who is watching me, who loves me through his son Jesus, that my life now is an act of worship. Remember him while you still have energy and vigor with which you can serve him. Remember him in these days, these chapters of your life. How do we do that? Well, I would encourage you with some daily reminders, lest you forget. Like what? I find that when I open the Bible and I read a little bit of Scripture on a daily basis, it brings to mind a reminder of who I am and who he is. Right? How about, like, prayer? When I pray, am I not implicitly reminding my soul that I am not God and he is? To pray as Jesus taught, give me today daily bread. I am not sufficient for this day, God. I am not ultimate today. You are ultimate and I am depending on you. You are God, I am dust. Prayer does that very effectively. I find being around other believers to remind my, it reminds me of this truth. And this is the, the glory of fellowship. This is one reason I, I think everybody should gather together once a week for worship, okay? What happens when I sort of get out of the habit of it? I hear from this from people, I'll, I'll see somebody I haven't seen for six months, say, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you around, what's happening? You go, well, you know, one week became three weeks, became three months, and we just sort of got out of the habit of it. How are you doing spiritually? Terrible. I don't know if I've ever met somebody who got into that sort of habit, and I said, how are you doing spiritually? And they're like, better than ever. Never. There's some tie-in between gathering for worship and being under the word of God and all of that and being with other believers and that sort of daily vitality of my walk with God. Make it a habit. I find going to breakfast or spending time with a brother in the Lord invigorates my faith. It reminds me that there is a God. Why is this so important? Friends, listen to me. Here's why it's so important. Because Solomon is urging a life of remembering rather than a life of regretting. A life of remembering rather than a life of regretting. I mentioned a few weeks ago that um, we had my 30-year high school reunion this year. 30 
year high school reunion. And you can do the math on that if you would like to, okay? I'm here to tell you I blinked. 30 years were gone. Now, young people, I remember when I was your age, I heard people that were like my age, and I sat there going, okay, old guy, that's the way it is for you, but I'm 19 years old, I'm 21 years old, the world is my oyster, I've got my whole life ahead of me. It's gonna be different from me. No, it's not. You are going to blink, and all of a sudden, you're not only gonna be your parents' age, you're gonna look a lot like your mom. or your dad. You're going to blink, and a decade or two is suddenly going to have passed. And you're going to think, like I think, what happened? Where did that time go? And how easy it is to fritter away and waste your life doing these sort of silly things that when you are a pile of dust in the grave, you look back and you think, why did I waste my life on those things? Why did I spend so much time and energy worrying about those things? If it doesn't matter when you're dust, it doesn't matter. And to live your life oriented towards knowing that pile of dust that I'm going to be, and to live it in a way that when I get to the almost stage of that, that I don't look back at my life and think, I regret so much of what I did. I regret so much of the time that I wasted. I regret so much of the things that I cared about that now I look back on and I think, What's, who cares about that? Remember your creator when you're young and you can make that change and you can write the story of your life still. Because when you are old, that story is largely written. And you can't go back. You're getting ready to step into eternity. You're getting ready to give an account for your life before him who will judge the living and the dead. You're getting ready to give an account for all of that time and all of that energy and all of the things that you were passionate about. All those years maybe of not really remembering my creator, but living for me. You're about to stand before almighty God and you better be ready for it. And now is the time before the evil days come to live in the way you'll be glad you did when you're the pile of dust. That's what Solomon is saying. And that is a powerful message in a world today that urges us to live for the moment, to live for today, to think about what today is. Don't worry about tomorrow. Charles Bridges says it this way, many have remembered too late, none too soon. You ever run into a grouchy old man? Grouchy old men typically are men, I think, who life's experiences have not been lived largely in the application of the gospel of Jesus. There is a lack of graciousness about them. If you dig into it often, I think there is a lot of bitterness and regret over life. And they get grouchy, I think, because they realize they'll never feel good again. They'll never get to be 31 years old and a father of two kids again. 
They'll never be able to go back and redo those things they said to their wife when they were 42. They're never going to be able to do their career again. They're never going to feel good again. And that makes them grouchy. Compare that to the person who lives their life largely remembering their creator, lives their life largely with missteps and mistakes, because everybody does, but largely in the direction of the things of God. They, they live their life in light of eternity. And they try to obey God. They try to live in that surrendered sort of condition before God. To see that gracious older man or woman who looks at his shaking hands and smiles in the mirror and doesn't see all his teeth and looks at his bowed legs and he says, though outwardly I am wasting away, inwardly I am being renewed day by day. That is the fruit of a life remembering God. And the conclusion is not meaningless meaningless. My life is meaningless. It is meaningful, meaningful. My life has been meaningful. And that's the aim. That's the goal. Amen, church? Amen. Amen.